Let's talk the neuroscience of perseverance, only here on the People Scientist Podcast. Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on neuroscience, physiology, and nutrition. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast for episode 152, where I aim to arm us with some scientific information so that we can all become a little bit smarter and a little bit healthier with every new episode. How are you feeling today? Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day today, and I hope that I can give you something interesting to ponder. So what topic do I have for us today? Well, some of you have actually asked where I get my topic ideas from, and sometimes it can stem from a conversation with friends, sometimes it's a random thought in my mind or something that is relevant in my life, and sometimes the topics for my podcast come from the songs that I choose to dance to for the podcast videos. So today's topic in particular was inspired by the song that I chose to dance to for this episode, and the song was by Ciroc. And the song is called Goddess Gang. And in the lyrics that I dance to, she sings, Mama said I could be anything. And that was the dope part. But I grew up planning my dreams just downstream from the dope spot. I've been through too much and I'm too grown to play around with you all. And I really enjoy Ciroc as an artist because I think she always has very powerful and energizing lyrics. So from her lyrics... I chose to do today's episode on the neuroscience of perseverance. I'm going to talk about how this is different from resilience and how this is different from grit. I talk about what is going to happen in our brain when we persevere. I'm going to give us all a quiz to test how much perseverance we have and how we can promote our own level of perseverance as well. But before we get into today's episode, as we always do, let's get into a foregone fact where I share scientific finding. From long ago. Back in the year 1917, Achilles and Achilles published in the Journal of Applied Psychology an experiment in which they asked officers in the military and candidates attempting to join the military what they thought the most important qualities were in a good soldier. Now, at the top of your head, what do you think they answered, or what would you say? But let me help narrow down that list to some of the answers that they had said. So some of the traits that we can choose from include having a sense of humor, being open-minded, having good judgment, a good appearance, having good control of emotions, having perseverance, aggressiveness, competitiveness, organizational skills, health, and cooperativeness. So from that list, what do you think were listed as the top answers. Well, the officers already in the military had listed having good judgment, 
as the highest and most important trait in a good soldier. Next to good judgment, they listed aggressiveness, initiative, integrity, and perseverance as the top traits needed for a good soldier. Now, did this differ from the candidates wanting to join the military? Because this is how the officers in the military answered. People wanting to join the military, their answers were pretty similar back in 1917. They also had listed judgment as being the highest ranked trait, followed by aggressiveness and initiative. So judgment being the ability to make the right decision given the information provided, they thought was the most important trait. And that does indeed seem to be a necessary trait in a good soldier. But not only in the military, but in a lot of circumstances and occupations, I'm sure having good judgment is key. Like let's think of an emergency room physician or a surgeon that have to make quick judgment calls based on the information given to them at the time. That's pretty important and probably listed as a top trait for them as well. But let's think of our own workplace or our own living situation. What would we say is the top most important trait in that position? Would you say that perseverance is in the top three? For me personally, as a scientist, from the list of choices that I gave earlier, I would list integrity at the top and then perseverance and then open-mindedness for being a good scientist. I think perseverance would show up for a lot of us in our top three. And as such, I think today's topic will be relevant for all of us listening today. So now how about we get into today's topic and the core takeaways from the episode on the neuroscience of perseverance. Now perseverance and resilience are similar qualities because they can help us overcome challenges and achieve success in various aspects of our life. And I talk about the science of resilience with the expert himself, Dennis Charney, all the way back in episode 39. Now, while resilience and perseverance are interconnected, they do have distinct characteristics. Resilience, we like to think of as an umbrella term, can represent our ability to bounce back from adversity. It's our ability to adapt to change and to maintain a positive outlook. On the other hand, perseverance specifically refers to the act of persisting in the face of obstacles, staying focused on a goal, and maintaining effort over an extended period of time. Perseverance is our unwavering determination and our commitment that propels us forward even when faced with setbacks. A useful analogy is to think of resilience as the ability to adapt and recover, while perseverance acts as the driving force that keeps us going step by step when the path ahead seems treacherous. For example, let's imagine a marathon runner who faces exhaustion and muscle fatigue, but they continue to push forward. So they would rely on their resilience to recover from physical strain, but it is the perseverance to maintain their pace and reach the finish line. So in today's episode, I speak about perseverance. I will share a quiz to help us understand our own level of perseverance, how perseverance is also related to grit, brain regions and peptides involved in perseverance, and something we can do today to help improve our level of perseverance as well. So now let's get into those scientific details. Perseverance refers specifically to the act of persisting in the face of obstacles, our ability to stay focused on our goal, and to maintain that effort over an extended period of time. 
It is our unwavering determination and commitment to achieve something despite the challenges, despite the setbacks that we might encounter along the way. Perseverance is what keeps us going when the going gets tough and our ability to push through the difficulties and staying on course. It is worth noting that resilience and perseverance often go hand in hand. Resilience helps us bounce back from failure while perseverance keeps us going in the face of ongoing challenges. Now we all encounter moments in life when we probably feel very overwhelmed, exhausted or discouraged. Imagine the times when we've tackled a complex puzzle, struggling to find the missing piece. Think about those moments when we've embarked on a fitness journey, trying to push past our limits. Perhaps we've embarked on a creative project, like writing a book or composing a piece of music, or when we've applied for a job. And then only for us to hit a wall of self-doubt, moments of failure, moments of rejection. These moments are universal. We've all experienced them. Perseverance is what separates those who achieve their goals from those who surrender to adversity. It is the unwavering belief that fuels our determination and keeps us moving forward, even when the path ahead seems insurmountable. This raises the question, what exactly happens in our brains when we choose to persevere? What makes a person perseverant? One way that perseverance is tested in a clinical research setting is the multi-stage shuttle run test, which is otherwise referred to as the beep test. Have you ever done it? This test requires individuals complete a series of 20 meters repeated sprints between two ends, according to a pre-recorded audio track where the time between the beeps decreases as the participants progress through to the higher levels. In essence, this test requires that the individuals will persevere through physical and psychological fatigue to reach the highest level possible, given their aerobic capacity and physical fitness. But importantly, the positive association between mental toughness and behavioral perseverance on the beep test remains, even when controlling for an objective measure such as one's physical fitness. So have you ever seen this? Basically, you're supposed to run between like two posts, you have to touch the post in between, and you have to get to that post before you hear that audio beep, and you have to do this repeatedly. And this test in particular seems to be a very good assessment of one's mental toughness, of one's behavioral perseverance. So if you've ever done it before, or if you can imagine yourself doing it, how do you think you would fare? Do you think you'd give up, or do you think you would push through until your body gave out before your mind did? could even be a fun little test if your fitness allows to see how far you can go. Now Datu had wrote about perseverance and grit in the journal Frontiers of Psychology in 2021. Have you heard of the term grit before? The article here defines grit as a personality trait of having passion and perseverance for long-term goals. Now grit is a newer concept in psychology and is actually highly debated as to whether or not it is a distinct trait. Scientists often refer to grit as a combination of perseverance and passion. So that's really how the two distinguish from one another. So it's a combination of the two. And scientists have shown that students who score high for grit tend to have higher levels of academic achievement and engagement, that they perform better in school, they perform better in spelling competitions and other academic tasks. Grit also seems to be a very good predictor of academic self-efficacy, of one's motivation and satisfaction with learning activities. 
Scientists have shown that grit is linked to well-being and positive psychological outcomes. For example, individuals who score higher for grit tend to have higher life satisfaction. They tend to score high for having meaning in life or eudaimonia. They seem to have great psychological well-being, self-esteem, optimism, and gratitude. They also seem to exhibit very social behaviors and good habit formation. Grit seems to contribute to a sense of subjective happiness and harmony in one's life. Studies on the neurobiology of grit and perseverance have identified brain regions associated with these traits. The medial prefrontal cortex and the rostral anterior cingulate core disease have been linked to increased levels of perseverance. The reputation of the brain, which is involved in goal setting and self-control, has also been found to have a positive correlation with grit. So to answer one of our questions, who tends to have a high level of perseverance? Well, it is likely people who tend to set goals for themselves. Individuals who will plan out how to achieve those goals and to put effort, continued effort, into achieving those goals. Because this type of behavior is not only associated with higher scores for grit and perseverance, but these type of behaviors are also known to recruit the medial prefrontal cortex of the brain and the putamen. So if we want to have a higher level of perseverance, let's find something that we are passionate about. Let's say it's dancing, it's cooking, drawing, playing music, learning a new language. Then let's plan a specific goal around that passion. Like if it's dance, let's say you want to hit a double pirouette. Let's detail out how we are going to achieve that goal. Okay, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to dedicate 15 minutes to practicing that move. Then let's measure our progress, however we can do that. Let's take videos of ourselves so we can track our progress over time. And then let's continue to improve at that goal, always moving that measuring stick. We can do that with goal-oriented behavior and habit formation. And I talk about the neuroscience of habit formation in many past episodes, such as as in episode 140, in episode 124, and in episode 87. So if habit formation and goal-making is something that interests you, go back and give those a listen. Datu, the same scientist, had published in an earlier paper in 2017 in the journal Personality and Individual Differences to measure grit in a different way than scientists had before. So in this study, they aimed to create a new questionnaire to assess the grit and perseverance of someone. So how about we go through some of the key statements of this model and see how we do on the test. Now, I'm going to slightly change the wording of these statements so that it makes a bit of better sense for us all. And let's answer these statements on a scale of 1 to 5. So let's say 1 is going to be, oh, that statement is not like me at all, to 5, that's very much like me, and 3, the neutral response will be, mm, that's somewhat like me. And so 1, not like me at all, to 5, very much like me. How would you answer the following statements? 1, I am a hard worker. Two, I finish whatever I begin. Three, I am diligent. Four, new ideas and projects do not distract me from my previous projects. Five, I have been obsessed with certain ideas or projects for a short amount of time, but I still maintain interest in them. Six, I often set a goal and will pursue it and achieve it. Seven, I appreciate new opportunities that come into my life. Eight, 
Changing plans or strategies is important to achieve my long-term goals in life. 9. Changes in life motivate me to work harder. 10. I'm able to cope with the changing circumstances in life. And 11. I'm always motivated to improve my skills or abilities. Now, as you can see from the questionnaire, they highlight the importance of our ability to be adaptable, to have commitment to our goals, and to have continued effort. So how did you score? Did you answer mostly ones, threes, or fives? If you scored close to four or five, then you likely have a high amount of perseverance. If you want a more exact score, take your number of values from this quiz that we just did, add them all up, and divide them by 11. Now, there are likely more questions in the real test that Datu created, but this example will give us somewhat of a good idea. The average score for the participants in this study that were college students was 3.64. My score, based on how I'd given this quiz, was 4.8. So I think that is a pretty high score, considering that the highest score that one could get for grit in this particular example is 5.5. So how did you fare? Are you happy with the test and how you scored for perseverance? Do you think that you would like to have higher level of perseverance or not? Now, one context that a lot of scientists use to study individuals who have perseverance or how to enhance perseverance is in the military context. And that is because they often have to push through some very difficult and arduous tasks. So Chuchardi in the journal Sport, Exercise, and Performance Psychology in 2021 conducted a study about perseverance in the military. They aimed to prove that mental toughness is necessary to complete goals. The study included 143 candidates from the Australian military who participated in a selection course. They had looked at cortisol, stress hormone, in hair samples, which is a biological marker of accumulated stress, in order to account for the candidate's stress levels and use that as a correlate to mental toughness. So the scientists wanted to investigate the relationship between mental toughness and behavioral perseverance in the context of military selection courses. They wanted to understand whether mental toughness remains influential in sustaining our goals across multiple tasks over an extended period of time, even when accounting for a biological marker of stress such as hair cortisol levels. Now the researchers in the end found that mental toughness was positively associated with behavioral perseverance across multiple tasks over a three-week period. And they took into account factors like age and accumulated stress that they had measured through hair cortisol concentration. And despite those confounding, potentially confounding factors, they found that mental toughness still played a significant role in one's ability to have perseverance when considering these other factors. The results of this paper support the hypothesis that higher levels of mental toughness increase the odds of selection in the military test. For example, for each one unit increase in mental toughness, there was roughly a 68% increase in the likelihood of being selected in the military. The study also highlighted the importance of mental toughness as a psychological resource that can underpin our potential for action and for our ability to persevere. It is suggested that understanding and enhancing mental toughness can improve our chance of success in challenging contexts such as in military selection tests. So overall, the study provided, I think, a valuable insight into understanding that mental toughness can be a significant component of perseverance. And I would speculate that a determinant of mental toughness is life experience. 
For example, was an individual raised with challenges in their life or without challenges? Did an individual have a high level of self-confidence? Did they have the opportunity in their life to have challenging tasks and to learn how to deal with those challenging tasks and to have the rewarding satisfaction of overcoming an obstacle on their own? Then that can contribute to a higher level of self-confidence as well, which is the high chance of success for completing the task or their belief that they can complete the task with success. I believe all of these components of mental toughness and self-confidence and life experience are key to perseverance. I talk about the neuroscience of self-confidence back in episode 124, so you can go back and give that one a listen if you haven't yet, because I think it would be really relevant to today's episode too. Now let's talk a little bit more about the neuroscience of perseverance. Now the topic of perseverance is very related actually to last episode, episode 151, where I talk about neuroplasticity and our freedom to change. So if we imagine our brain as a vast network of connections, with each connection representing a memory or a skill we've learned, to strengthen these connections and improve our abilities, our brain has to have this special mechanism called synaptic plasticity. And that mechanism allows our brain to change and adapt based on our life experiences. So a lifetime of challenges and learning how to overcome those challenges can help our brain learn to have perseverance. And this process of synaptic plasticity has two main phases. It has an early phase and a late phase. The early phase is like a quick boost that doesn't require any new materials, while the late phase is more long-lasting and requires the brain to create new proteins. So let me help give an analogy to explain it. Let's think of our brain as a bustling city where different genes play different roles. When there's a lot of activity happening in the city, in this case, high-frequency neuronal activity, certain city workers get recruited to help maintain the roads of the city, to help maintain the functioning of the city. Likewise, in our brain, different genes get recruited when our brain is very active, leading to the production of specific proteins that can help facilitate those long-term changes in our brain structure and functioning in order to change the architecture of our brain. So scientists are still trying to figure out exactly which genes or which city workers are responsible for these changes in the brain. For example, is it the mayor? Is it the sanitation workers? Is it the architects? Is it the road pavers? Well, one gene that scientists have identified as a key player in this process of our brain that can change and help adapt synaptic plasticity is brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF. Let's think of BDNF like the converter that helps convert high-frequency brain activity into long-lasting changes. When there's an increase in BDNF levels in the brain, it can transform a temporary boost in brain connections into a long-lasting architectural change of the brain. So this is the neurobiology of how facing challenges in our life and learning to overcome them can result in lasting changes to the architecture of our brain to help us be able to do that again and again in our life. So to understand how BDNF works, imagine we have a group of workers who are responsible for building and strengthening the connections in our brain. And BDNF acts as a special signal that tells these workers to get to work and to make those connections stronger. BDNF is like the supervisor who motivates the workers to do their best. It is thought that BDNF may help us to adapt to challenges in our life and therefore help us potentially have more perseverance and resilience. Now, scientists have studied where that supervisor, that protein BDNF, when it is disrupted, what happens. And so they've been able to knock out BDNF in the brain of mice. And these mice show certain problems in their brain function. It is as though the supervisor BDNF is missing and the workers aren't performing their tasks properly. And unfortunately, this might be modeled in humans. Like, let's say someone has a low level of BDNF 
in their brain for whatever reason. It could be due, for example, to genetics. It could be due to psychiatric illness. Or it could be due to lifestyle choices, such as not regularly challenging oneself, not challenging our brain. The scientists aim to model this in mice by knocking out the gene BDNF. And despite the deficit in BDNF, the mice were still trainable. They could still learn. But their learning was significantly delayed. The mice were far less adaptable and less adaptable to changing environments. The mice had less of an ability to form new connections within the brain. As a result, the mice had difficulties with certain memory tasks that required interactions between different parts of the brain. They were less resilient. And so unfortunately, this might be the case in humans too. This has yet to be translated into humans, but it's thought that that might be the case. So this study suggests that the production of BDNF is crucial for the long-term changes in the connections within the brain. Just like a supervisor guiding workers to build a strong and efficient city, BDNF guides the process of strengthening brain connections. And that can lead to improved cognitive abilities. That can lead to certain synaptic connections that allow us to have perseverance and adaptability. Now, understanding how these proteins work can help us as scientists develop new strategies to enhance our learning, to enhance our memory, our overall brain functioning, and our ability to have resilience and perseverance. Now, if you remember from past episodes, I've talked about the medial prefrontal cortex in the context of being goal-oriented and having positive self-reflection and a good level of self-confidence. And all of these are highly interconnected. An individual who can set goals for themselves, plan out how to achieve them, goes after those goals and learns from the process and has some success along the way, will eventually learn to be adaptable, resilient, and persevere, and to gain confidence in the process. And all of that involves synaptic plasticity and neuroplasticity. In episode 124 is where I talk about self-confidence. So again, go back and give that one a listen if you haven't yet today. But let me provide a personal example of goal setting and neuroplasticity for myself. One of my passions, as many of you know, is dance. So I have specific goals for dance. Like I would love to master a double pirouette. I would love to create a choreography to certain challenging songs. So I plan out my schedule. I say, okay, I'm going to go and rent a dance studio space to practice these moves and to practice this choreography on this day and this day. Then I'm going to film myself on this day so that I can measure my progress. And that process repeats and repeats with new harder goals every time as I grow. As those new synaptic adaptations happen, as my body and my brain and my cerebellum adapt to the moves and I become better, so too my goals are going to change as well. And even though I fall and I fail many times, I keep going because it is part of the process. And maybe there is something in all of our lives that is similar to this example that I've given, where we can choose something that we're passionate about, we can set a goal, specific goals around it, measure our progress, and keep advancing our goals as we go along. And that, in the hopes, can help enhance our self-confidence, our goal setting, and our perseverance. And that's all really rooted in neuroscience, in attacking and targeting, specifically targeting the medial prefrontal cortex, and increasing the neuroplasticity within that brain region. So if neuroplasticity is important for our adaptability and our perseverance, and BDNF seems to mediate our neuroplasticity, I think this raises the question, how can we raise our BDNF levels? And I would say the most evidence-based strategy to raise BDNF is exercise. And specifically, high-intensity interval training exercise seems to have the most evidence for increasing BDNF and increasing neuroplasticity in the brain. Now, high-intensity interval training involves short periods of high-intensity exercise 
interspersed with periods of lower intensity exercise for recovery. So for example, that could look like 30 seconds of sprinting or speed walking, interspersed with one to two minutes of slower walking or slower jog, and repeating that multiple times. This doesn't have to be done with running or just walking. It can be done on a stationary bike. It can be done through jump ropes. It can be done through calisthenics, for example. There are a lot of different protocols for high-intensity interval training, and there are protocols for high-intensity interval training for elderly individuals and even for individuals with cardiac conditions that are safer for them to try. So please always ask your trainer or physician what is best and most appropriate for you. So let's get into some signs on exercise and BDNF. Muller in the journal Clinical Medicine in the year 2020 reviewed this topic. Now scientists here suggest that exercise actually increases lactate production in our body and it is the increased lactate following high-intensity exercise that is associated with increased peripheral levels of BDNF. Scientists have also given a lactate infusion at rest to artificially simulate that component of exercise and that infusion of lactate increased peripheral and central BDNF levels as well. Lactate also plays a very complex role in the brain's metabolism and may promote energy dynamics within the brain as lactate is an intermediate in energy production. So in summary of this review article that was written in 2020, exercise, especially bursts of high-intensity exercise that produces lactate in the body, also increases BDNF levels and therefore potentially the neuroplasticity within the brain. This is thought to potentially help one's ability to be adaptable, to persevere, to constantly change and adapt in these challenging situations. But as I mentioned in last episode, neuroplasticity can be a good thing or a bad thing. So using it to our advantage to adapt to our best ability is what we would want to try to promote. And exercise, particularly high-intensity exercise, seems to help our body and our brain learn to adapt best. Interestingly, many meta-analyses also highlight that the mood-improving effects of exercise are also seen with the higher intensities of exercise. So when it comes to the benefits of exercise on our brain, higher intensity, when done safely, appears to be most impactful. So that is a wrap, my people scientist army, the science on perseverance. Perseverance and resilience are two very interconnected concepts that play crucial roles in our ability to overcome challenges. Now, resilience encompasses a person's ability to bounce back from adversity and to maintain a positive outlook. While perseverance refers to persisting in the face of obstacles and staying focused on a goal. Now, resilience helps us adapt and recover, while perseverance keeps us going in the face of ongoing challenges. Now, grit, which combines passion and perseverance for long-term goals, has been studied and linked to academic success, career outcomes, well-being, and positive psychological outcomes as well. Now, neuroscientists have identified brain regions associated with perseverance and goal-oriented behavior, such as the medial prefrontal cortex, as well as genes like the brain-derived neurotrophic factor, or BDNF, It seems to play a role in synaptic plasticity and long-term changes in the brain. Exercise, particularly high-intensity interval training or higher-intensity exercise, has been shown to increase lactate, which may lead to an increase in BDNF levels and enhanced cognitive capabilities and neuroplasticity. So, setting goals, planning out how to achieve them, challenging ourselves and staying passionate about our goals is a way that may help build our perseverance. And exercise may also help and be a component of perseverance too. 
challenging our brain and our body in a healthful manner, so to speak. So I hope that this episode was interesting and informative for you. If you want to see the papers that I cite in each episode, then make sure to follow me on social media where I share some tidbits of information on the episode. And because I do not accept sponsorship or ads so that this show can remain as unbiased and uninterrupted as possible, I do accept donations in the form of buying me a coffee to keep the show going. And I thank you so much in advance for that. And the links on how to do that are in the description box to this episode. I hope that you all have a wonderful two weeks. And I look forward to meeting you all back here in two weeks' time. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates. Thank you.